Welcome those who are watching via Facebook Live. We're going to continue on our series of teachings, the mind-brain connections. And Larry, once again, could you bring me my chart? <laughs> I left my brain at home, right? <laughs> oh, well. So we're going to continue on mind-brain connections, if I can get my brain over here. And uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, that's good, thank you. We're going to be talking specifically about Samson and Delilah. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along or your device, whatever you use, I'll be reading eventually out of Judges chapter 16. What we have been doing in this series of teachings is looking not at the historicity of these Old Testament stories, but we have been looking at how they are relevant to us today, how they are happening on the inside of us today. And as we begin, let me start by just simply saying that Samson's name means sunlight. And it is spelled S-U-N. Now, the S-U-N corresponds with the S-O-N, but what I see in Samson's name, since it is S-U-N, is that which happens within us. You know, a lot of times we have seen the number seven, and we have just applied that to that which is complete and the fullness within us spiritually. But how many know we also have a body? And how many know we're called the body of Christ? He's the head, we're the body. So we cannot just take the number seven and apply it to our lives, you know, our spirit or in a spiritual sense or within. But what we need to understand is that even in our body, there is something that relates to seven. You have seven energy fields in your body. Now, we found out that the anointing that flows, we talk about the anointing flowing, and a lot of times in the past we thought, well, that's just talking about when we get up to minister or when we're ministering on a one-to-one -to, -one to someone, the anointing flows and the words begin to flow. But you know what? The chrism within us represents that same anointing. Not only does that anointing flow in spirit or spiritually, but listen, it even flows in our physical body. So seven needs to be used also in the physical body. We've talked about that. The, the, from the solar plexus, the energy going up to the energy fields and throwing open the right hemisphere, coming up to the pineal gland at the base of the brain and getting that oil, that energy, that light to flow from the pineal to the pituitary. And we've talked about one being a whitish colored substance and another in the pituitary being a goldish colored substance. And there you have the milk and honey flowing within the temple, within the body. And we are the land. We are Israel. We're the promised land, you see. So all of it fits. But what we have done in the past is we've kind of cut off part of it. You cannot minister to someone and have the anointing flowing and it not affect your body. Huh? You get energized. How many of you ever ministered to someone or even stood in front of a group and ministered and you felt that anointing? Sometimes I can't even sleep at night because the anointing is still flowing, not just in me spiritually, but in my body. 
brings vitality and it brings life and it brings energy, you see. So we need to look at seven, not just as us being complete in spirit, but we need to realize that seven also applies to our physical body. Something happens within the very cells of our physical body. So Samson means sunlight. Delilah means discouraged, languishing, and boredom. Now, what will make the energy not flow? That sunlight or energy. What will make the anointing not flow within us on the inside, but also in our body? What well, it could be what Delilah means. Long periods of discouragement, languishing, or even boredom. And so basically what we're going to see in the story of Samson and Delilah is that the higher mind, the right side, that intuitive aspect within us of the higher realm of consciousness can be brought down to the lower realm if it is consistently discouraged or bored or languishing. Mm -hmm. We can bring, listen, we can bring this right side down. You know, even Jesus in his temptation, do you know that when Jesus was tempted those three times in the wilderness, it says he was led of the spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted, it says, of the devil, but it's a, an adverb or a pronoun, excuse me, that has to do with the temptation coming from the inside of him because what was he doing? Well, he fasted for 40 days. Wouldn't you be hungry after 40 days of fasting? But well, we get the idea that, you know, he had an edge on us and there's no way he could have yielded to that temptation. Yes, he could have. He could have. He could have allowed this right side or the left side, excuse me, to infiltrate the right side. And he could have, if he had dwelt upon the temptations that were thrown at him, he could have partaken in all three of those temptations. He could have allowed the, the left side to come and infiltrate the right side. Now, let me lay down a little groundwork here before we actually read here in Judges chapter 16. When we see the word woman, especially especially woman, or you could say even female, but when we see the word, uh, word woman, in mystical language, it means the emotions when you're dealing with the lower realm of thinking. However, sometimes, depending on the context, when you see the word woman, it can be talking about the higher aspect of the mind, and it can be woman can actually relate to or be symbolic of spirit. So it depends on what you're reading. Now here, as we look at Delilah, she is not portraying the spiritual side. She's portraying the emotional side. She's portraying the lower aspect, you see, of her thoughts. Or of the mind. Now, here in Genesis, let's begin reading. Let's look at this story, and, and we'll see some things as we break this down. But this will help you to interpret other scriptures if you come to understand some of these symbologies and what they really point to. But in Judges 16 and verse 4, it says, And it came to pass afterward that he, speaking to Samson, loved a woman. Notice, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorak, whose name was Delilah. Now, First of all, it's conveying that he, being the masculine part of the mind, is engrossed in something that has to do with the emotional side, the feeling side, the emotions, a good idea. And how many know 
the fact that he loved this woman in the valley, valley is a low place. How many know sometimes we love the low place? Hello? We get in the money grubs and sometimes it takes us days to come out of that. Or hours or, you know, and thank God less and less time is involved in staying in the money grubs for people that come to this understanding. But notice there it says, he loved a woman in the valley. So he was loving the lower aspect, the left side. He was loving the lower aspect of this woman by the name of Delilah. That's what it represents symbolically. Now notice it says, the valley of Sorak. Sorak has two meanings. Number one, it means choice vine. And number two, it means Torrance bed. Choice vine and torn bed. So basically in this verse, at the beginning there of verse four, it's referring to what happens to the mind when we become engrossed with the emotions, then we come from that right side to the left side. Now, notice again, Sorak means a choice vine. It's something that looks really good. It looks like a good idea, but notice the other meaning, it's a torrent bed. Meaning it's full of low or fleshly desire. Something looks good, maybe it feels good, but it will extinguish the light from flowing out of our lives. It looks good, a good idea, but it's a torn bed. It'll bring a tumultuous passion within you. It'll cause something, a torrential something, to happen within you that you don't want to happen. So in a nutshell, what is happening here in Judges chapter 16, Samson meaning the sunlight, the name Delilah meaning discouragement or the emotions, the valley pointing to the lower mind, Sorak pointing to that aspect that appears or looks like a good thing to do, looks like a good idea, but then on the other hand, there's a torrential, tumultuous passion grinding within you that if you get involved with it, you won't be experiencing or shining the light as you were before, the sunlight as you were before, and the anointing and the energy will not be flowing like it was before. And that's the allegorical story that we see here with Samson and Delilah. It's, Delilah. it's referring to the higher mind involving itself with the lower emotions. The higher mind involving itself with a good idea. How many of you have ever been involved with a good idea? Well, I think I ought to do this, or I think I ought to do the other, and it falls flat. It absolutely does not work. Why? Because it was generated by the left side. It was generated by a good idea. It was generated by a certain emotion or a certain feeling. And we've all experienced that. Now, jump on down to verse 5, and we'll see how the ancients put this together allegorically. Verse 5, and the lords of the Philistines, uh-oh, we're in trouble now. The lords of the Philistines came up unto her. Now, remember what had happened. The Philistines didn't like Samson too much. Remember, he had killed 2,000 of their army with the jawbone of an ass. Go figure. That's what he did. That's why we need to look at these things allegorically. Just a key. Just thought I'd throw that in. It won't cost you any extra. And the Philistines, listen, the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him. Entice this guy, Samson, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him. In other words, to stop him. Now, Philistines has a number of meanings. One of the meanings is rolling in the dust. 
rolling around in the depths. That's talking about the left side. That's talking about the emotions. And it also means strangers. I think we did a, a, a teaching on this series uh, where we talked about the strange woman. So these, listen, these represent, these strangers, the Philistines, represent thoughts that do not come out of the mind of Christ on the right side. They represent thoughts that do not come out of exercising the single eye. They represent thoughts that don't come out of spontaneous meditation or purposeful meditation. They represent the thoughts that roll around in your head and my head, engineered by emotions, engineered by a whole lot of things from the left side. You ever have any of that going on? Uh, we always, listen, your mind is constantly thinking. Yeah. And sometimes you even answer those thoughts. <laughs> I can tell when people are thinking about tomorrow or yesterday or what they're going to buy their uh, grandkids for Christmas or whatever. I get this glazed over stare. <laughs> you just look straight ahead. You don't look to the left you know, or right. You just look straight ahead. And I can see that glaze come up on your eyeballs. See, you can be here doing all this holy stuff. You can walk in here with a Bible under your arm big enough to choke a mule. You can do all that stuff, doing all this holy stuff, and your mind can be a million miles away. Have you ever experienced that? I have. Just a little while ago. Just a little while ago. So what are these Philistines? They're rolling around in the death thoughts. They're on the left side, geared by engineered by emotions and so forth. Now, something else about the strangers. The strangers are those who live from the outside in. Okay? Where the people that are on the right side, those of us slipping into the mind of Christ on a continuous basis, exercising the single eye, involving ourselves in purposeful or you know, spontaneous meditation, those are those that are living from the inside out. Now, hang on to Judges. Let me give you a couple of scriptures in the New Testament. If you go to Mark 4 and verse 11, but hang on to Judges 16, because we'll be in there all evening tonight. So, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 11, so what did I just say? I said the strangers are those that live from the outside in. That's the left side. But there are those who live from the right side that are living from the inside out. I can say tree knowledge of good and evil, as opposed to tree of life. And here in Mark 4 and verse 11, Jesus says, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all of these things are done in parables. So notice that. Unto you is given to know the dark sayings and the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And what is the mystery? Quickly look at Luke 17 and verse 21. What is the mystery? So it says there in Mark 4, 11, Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And then in Luke 17, 21, Neither say they, lo here, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, what did Jesus just say in Mark 4 and verse 11 that we just read? Unto you is given to know the mystery of yourself. That's really what he was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But unto those that are without, in other words, unto those that try to interpret this stuff allegorically, from without, he said, 
all of these things in Mark 4, 11, but unto them that are without, all of these things are done in parables. So here, what he's saying is, you're trying to interpret my parables from without, but you'll never get the mystery of yourself if you're all the time trying to interpret the parable something that is from within and something that is allegorical and something that is parabolic and something that is spiritual. If you're all the time trying to get the answer from the outside, they're parables. You've got to go to the inside. You've got to go to the inside. You've got to interpret them from the inside. See, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Christ in you, Paul said in Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So in other words, it's a mystery or a symbolic story. And those who try to interpret it from the left side or from the outside, they're not going to get it. But those who will realize it's a mystery, it's got to be revealed by the Spirit. You've got to be initiated into it. That's what the word mystery or mysterion means. You've got to be initiated into it by the Spirit from the right side. You're never going to know who he is as you. And only when we know who we be, only when we know who he is as us, are we going to beat our weapons into plowshares and steady war no more and finally come to the place of rest. Now, back to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. Now, it talked about the Lord or Lords of the Philistines. And we found out so far that that's the strange thoughts of the lower mind that employs the emotions. Okay? A good idea. A good feeling. But it leads to a torrent frustrating bed. That's what Sorak means. And he loved, Samson loved this woman that was in the valley, a low way of thinking. He loved her so much that we'll find out later what happened. Now, look at verse 5, Judges 16, 5. These strange thoughts, through D.D., come up and say, entice him. See where his strength is. This is what the Philistines are saying to Delilah now. Entice him or tempt him. And there were three temptations that we're going to be talking about. See? And you know what? Each and every one of us go through this every day. There are temptations within our thinking that go on on the inside of us each and every day, sometimes all day long. But once we learn how to gauge ourselves, once we learn how to look through and look away from the appearances, once we we'll, uh, no longer allow the emotions and the feelings and a good idea control us, then we can put a stop or at least slow down the thought processes that go on on the inside of us from the left side. Now, Samson, meaning sunlight, all of us tonight have a Samson on the inside of us. We all have a Samson on the inside of us. We have the power on the inside of us. And you know what the secret of that power is? Someone says it's not cutting your hair. Well, we'll find out about that a little bit later. Now, hang on to that, to, that to, to, to Judges. We'll go back there. But let me give you a scripture in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 15. It has nothing to do with whether you have long hair as a woman or short hair. Because, first of all, the woman does not apply to a gender. 
Okay? Now, I was raised in a very religious church all of my life. And all of the women had to have long hair. And I looked about 20 years older with that long hair. Let me tell you. They didn't put any rules, uh, for the most part, on the men. It was all the women that got the rules. Yeah. And they had to have long hair, and they were not to cut their hair. Thank God now they're starting to have a little freedom, and they are. But when I was raised in that church, and, and can you imagine me? I've got this thick, thick, <laughs> curly, bushy hair, and I had to have this. That's why I can tell you that I, I look 20 years older than what it really was. And the day I got a cut, oh, man, something hit the fan. <laughs> My mama was not happy with me. You cut your hair. All I did was trim it. All I did was just trim it a little bit. And one day I remember going over there, and, and I had gotten my hair done. We had a lady in the church that, you know, um, did hair. She was a, uh, uh, what do you call it, stylist now. They don't call it a beautician, a stylist. And she styled my hair, and it was just a little bit too high for my mama. <laughs> and she got all bent out of shape. And you know what? I heard my dad back in the corner say, say to her, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And I, well, that was my ticket, you know. That was my freedom. I could get my hair done as much as I wanted to now and have it as stacked up as high as I wanted to. But it was all that Pentecostal hair stack. You know, you've seen it all. So listen, this has nothing to do with short hair or long hair whatsoever. Oh, great God. And let me give you a, yes, you're safe, Candy. Let me give you a scripture. Let me give you a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 15 about the woman having the long hair. Now, again, we all know that the woman is not talking about, you know, gender. The woman refers to the awareness. And as I said earlier, the woman refers, it can refer to uh, the awareness out of the emotions from the left side, or it can represent spirit depending on where the awareness is. You know, it can, the woman can refer to spirit. In some of the stories that we'll read, we'll see that. So look what it says here, 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen. If a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Now, listen to this. Glory there means the view and opinion of the Father. The view and the opinion of God. That's what that's talking about there. So what it is saying is, if my awareness is not flowing with the view and the opinion of God, I have lost my glory. So now what is the cutting of the hair then? Well, we're going to find out that long hair, listen, represents allowing the growth to come from the highest part without cutting it off. That's what the long hair would refer to. Symbolically. And that's what got Samson in trouble. That which was growing out from the top was cut off by Delilah. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what I want to do is I want to go through these three different temptations that uh, Delilah put Samson through. Once you cut away that which grows from your higher realm, you automatically will begin to experience the death of the left side. Yeah, yeah. To be carnally minded is death. So you see, we're all Samson. But we must also remember that each one of us have a Delilah potential within us. And Dee Dee can come and whisper real nice.
things in your ear. And when she does from the left side, you have to be wise enough, wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, to realize that you cannot listen to all of those nice, innocent, sweet, seductive, sweet nothings from Delilah. See, listen, Samson and Delilah are a replay of the serpent in the garden where Adam and Eve was concerned. One of the meanings of Adam means the center, the mind, and another meaning or a meaning of Eve means spirit or life-giving thoughts or the emotions. Now, when you're dealing with the serpent, let me just say this, if you go to the doctor's office or the chiropractic office, you will see an emblem of a snake called a caduceus going up the spine. And so what was it? Listen, the serpent would represent the flesh. Because the serpent going up the spine, what is that? That's the flesh body. So now all that happened when Eve partook of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where was she coming from? She was coming from Sorak, the valley of Sorak. She was coming from a good idea. It looked good. It, you know, the fruit looked pleasant to eat and so forth. But now let me say this. It was only an idea. Even though she ate, it was only what she considered to be a good idea. It was not until she gave to Adam that it was carried out. And Houston, we have a problem now. <laughs> and the same way with us. It first, a temptation with us first happens as an idea. You first get an idea that is fueled by emotions and feelings, and when you bring it over here to the right side, you have a problem. And that's, that's what, why in the scripture it says that the woman partook before the man. The woman was deceived. The man partook with his eyes wide open. Why? All it was was an idea. The same way with you. It's first an idea. And then you eat that. See, you partake of that. It conceives within the womb of your awareness, and then it's carried out in your life. Now, go back to Genesis, or Judges, excuse me, Judges chapter 16 and verse 5. Now, let's see what happens here. The Philistine, or the strange thoughts come, and they say in verse 5, entice him, entice Samson. Entice the sunlight that's in Samson, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. So what's happening here, what's happening here is simply that when we fool around long enough with the lower emotions, it'll bring us into the bondage of the strangers, the strange thoughts, and our strength will be abated. I am actually convinced that we can block up the energy fields of our body by thinking from the left side. And when we block up, and this is why people go to chiropractors, I think a lot of disease comes out of the fact that the energy fields are blocked. Medical science will tell you it causes diseases and all kinds of problems because the energy is not flowing. Imagine if the energy is not flowing or if your kidneys are not working properly. 
Imagine that. You're going to have a problem. And in any organ of your body, if the life or the energy is not flowing, eventually, if that happens over and over, you're going to end up with a problem. Now, let me show you something. Hang on to Judges 16 and go to Psalm 68.6. Let me show you something here. When we're meditating, when we're exercising the single eye, when we are consistently living out of the mind of Christ, we are then involving ourselves with divine thoughts of the family. We're experiencing the divine thoughts of the family of God within us. And look what happens here in Psalm 68 and verse 6. This is what happens when we are slipping in consistently into the mind of Christ and exercising the single eye and, and having that purposeful and that spontaneous meditation when something looms up before us. That's spontaneous meditation. When something looms up before you to tempt you, whether it's in the appearance realm, or whether it's your health, whether it's you know your uh, finances, whatever it is, grandchildren or children, whatever it is, when something uh, in appearance realm looms up before you, you have got to stop momentarily instead of just be reactionary. Stop and respond. Don't react. Stop and respond. The normal thing is to react. But we don't want to react when something looms up before us in the appearance realm. We want to respond. And in order to respond, you've got to stop. You know, people say, well, before you get angry at someone, you know, that, that says something to you, stop and count to ten. Well, that may work. But I'm talking about in the spiritual realm, when things loom up before you, don't be reactionary. Respond by stopping, getting still, getting silent. And sometimes it only takes two, three seconds, and you can gear yourself in a different way. Look what it says here in Psalm 68, verse 6. God setteth the solitary in families. What is that talking about? Becoming silent, solitary in your meditation instead of reactionary. Respond by putting a shut to the up, in other words. Respond by being still. Okay? God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So what this is saying is, when there's the time of solitude and spontaneous meditation, when something looms <coughs> up before you, what you need to do is just stop and think, be still, respond with spontaneous meditation, and then look what happens. It goes on to say, he bringeth out those which are bound in chains. Whatever it is in your life that appears to be bound in chains, as you are meditating and as you have become quiet and silent, you're solitary, then you begin to, notice what it says there, he said of the solitary in families, you'll begin to think out of the right side, the family side, the family of God's side, and anything in your life that is bound in chains, the chains then are released. As you walk in the awareness of the victory that is already yours. But notice the last part, but the rebellious dwelling in dry land. In other words, those that will not do what we're saying, and, and what is a dry land? Well, Philistines means a dry land, means rolling around in the dust. So if people do not want to, if they don't think it's worth 
stop and be silent and listen and be still, be solitary, if they don't think that's important, well, they can just go on and have their same problem. The chains won't be broken, and I'm yeah. talking experientially. We know the chains are already broken. There's only one yeah. power. But experientially, the chains that are binding any aspect of your life will be experientially broken for you. So here's where we're at. We're, we're Samson. We're free tonight. But what do we do sometimes? We mingle with Tootsie down here. We began to pet Tootsie there. Sweetsy piesy lambsy diesy. Oh, you're so sweet. Whispering sweet nothings in your ear. And it can sound so innocent so many times. It can feel like the right thing to do. It can seem like it's a good idea. And what'll happen will take you further and further and further down the pike. Now, back to Judges 16 and verse 5. Verse 5, Judges chapter 16, and it says, And we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, I meditated on this a long time. And the first thing that came to my mind was, well, if it's coming from the Philistines, it can't be anything good. Yeah. It can't be anything good. So they're telling Tootsie Pie here, if she will find the secret to Samson, we're going to give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, silver normally is redemption, but it can't be redemption because it's from the Philistines. Yeah. Yeah. So 11, I begin to look into this, and the number 11 means evolution. One of the meanings in mystical language is evolution. But not only is number 11 speaking about evolving higher and higher in construction, but it can also be going downward, lower and lower in destruction. That's what I found out. Now listen to this. Silver, which normally would mean redemption, but since it's coming from the Philistines, there's no way it can be redemption. Listen to this. Silver here means the moon. Now remember, the Philistines said that they would give her, if she found out the strength of Samson, they would give her, it says, 11 pieces of silver. So if silver here means the moon, then it's connected with the emotions. Remember when we talked about Abraham and how he had to come, he was told by God to leave the Ur of the Chaldees. And we found out that the Ur of the Chaldees worshiped the moon. Now they didn't go, oh, moon, harvest moon, shot down on me. No, they didn't do that. They were worshiping their emotions. Because moon has to do with the emotions. And remember when we did our Abraham study, we found out that the place of the Ur of the Chaldees was also called sin. And so this is talking about the moon, is talking about, or the silver, is symbolic of the moon. And we know if, if it's the moon, and if the moon represents the left side of the emotions, and if it also is connected with sin, then we know she wasn't given anything that was going to elevate her number 11, evolve her higher, but she was giving, given by the Philistines 
more of the same that she was already in. Remember what happened in Revelation chapter 12 there? The woman that birthed the man-child, it said that she had, what, she was enclosed in the sun. She was sun, S-U-N, clothed. She had the energy flowing in all the energy fields because she was clothed with the S-U-N. Now, yes, the S-O-N as well, but the S-U-N. And it says she had a crown of 12 stars upon her head, remember? And what was under her feet but... The moon was under her feet. The emotions were under her feet. So, notice what it says now in Judges chapter 16 and verse 6. So the Philistines were going to give, if she could find the strength of Samson, they were going to give her 1,100 pieces of silver. In other words, they were just going to give her more emotions. More emotions. And she already was full of emotions. So they weren't going to give her anything good. What could the Philistines give you but more rolling in the dust? More carnal thoughts. More left-handed thinking. Now, in verse 6 then, Delilah starts the temptations. There's three temptations here that she's bringing to Samson. So she begins here in verse 6, and it says, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, big boy. <laughs> Tell me, big boy, I pray thee, wherein thy strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict, them, to afflict thee. She's kind of playing a game with him. <clears throat> and then he comes around in verse 7, and he begins to do the same thing. So what are they involved in? They're involved in game playing. Both of them <clears throat> are involved in game playing. Look at verse 7. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green widths that were never dried, in other words, they were wet, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Well, he knew better than that. Because throughout all of these three tests that Delilah brought to Samson, in every one, he said, I'm just going to be weak as any other man. And you know what? He never was. So he's joshing her. She's playing a game with him. He's playing a game with her. Now, notice here, seven green widths. What are they? Again, we usually associate the number seven with the fullness and the completion that we have in spirit. But we can apply the seven to the physical body as well. And so what is this talking about? Seven here then would be talking about the energy fields as the, you know, the, the solar plexus releases the energy. It goes up the seven energy fields, throws open the right hemisphere. And there's a lot of other things that we can apply to this, the seven, um, seven of the constellations. But do you know... What I believe was happening here <clears throat> was that he was having these energy fields blocked in his life. That's what was going on. I mean, obviously, it wasn't too good what was happening between Samson and, and Delilah here. But I believe that when the energy fields are blocked, in fact, there's a negative, if you study this out, there's a negative side and there's a positive side of the energy fields. 
meaning the energy flowing through your energy fields up your spine, the seven energy fields, can make you happy, joyous. It can help you communicate with people because the energy is flowing, the anointing is flowing. But on the other hand, it can make you grouchy. It can make you agitated. Do you know there are certain diseases that make people agitated? Medical science will tell you. You know, I have a tendency sometimes if I don't eat properly to get low blood sugar. And you don't want to be around me. <laughs> I don't even like being in traffic because if someone doesn't treat me properly in traffic, I'm like, <laughs> something, something. See, so what am I saying? I'm saying that when you're dealing with the seven energy fields, not only, not only are you dealing with peace when it's flowing, joy when it's flowing, but you're also dealing with agitation. You're also dealing with anger when it's not flowing. Yep. So what is being said here is, Samson is teasing her a little bit by saying, oh, you can do all this stuff and it's not going to, you know, I'm going to be as weak as a man. But then, whenever the time came that they called the Philistines in or the people that were around, he would just break through all this stuff that she was tempting him with. And so here with these seven green whiffs, what is this talking about? This, I believe, is talking about getting to the place to where we have an attitude of, you know what? I can do anything I want to do. And the Spirit of Christ is never going to leave me. And that's true. That is true. You know, I knew someone some years ago that made a boast to me. This person was doing something that was very unhealthy for them to do. And I confronted them. I said, oh, you know, I don't know that you have to be doing it. Well, you know why I do it? She said to me, because I can. <laughs> because I can. Now listen. He will never leave us nor forsake us. If you ascend to heaven, he's there. If you make your bed in hell, he is there. He promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can do a whole lot of things that are not what we would call righteous and holy, and he will never leave you. But here's the problem. We're going to see this in the end. Here's the problem. The more we engage in that type of activity, the more we want to do it, yep. see how far we can get. Yep. And the more we, it reminds me of Korah, when they came, Korah and the group, when they came against Moses and Aaron, came against the authority, you know what happened? The earth opened up and swallowed them up. Yep. Now, did that literally happen? I don't know. But I have seen people who have had the attitude, well, I do it because I can, because I know he's never going to leave me, he's never going to forsake me. I just do it because I can, and I know that I can. And I have seen the earth swallow those people up. What do I mean? They got to the place they had no more spiritual hunger. They didn't care about spiritual things. Because they believed they could live as far in the And you can. You can. You know, what did Paul the Apostle say? All things are lawful. You can do whatever you want and he'll never leave you. How can you leave you? How can I leave me? Never. But you know what? There's something that happens in our lives spiritually. Paul said, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. In other words, it'll catch up with you sooner or later, not in the sense that he leaves.
use you, but in the sense that you'll look around and like, wow, I don't have that hunger and that desire for spiritual things as I used to. And the earth, how's that working for you? And the earth does still swallow people up today. And they lose that, that desire and that passion for spiritual things that they had before. Now, look here, notice verse 7 here of Judges 16. Seven green widths that were never dried. What does that mean? If they were never dried, that means they were wet. And you know what wet means here? It means error. 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 Untruth or error. So you see, that would refer to the negative side see, of the energy flowing through the energy fields of our body. The negative aspect, or when the energy is not flowing up the spine, and one can lose their strength. If energy is not flowing in your body, you're going to lose your strength eventually. Yep. Right? You know, like when you're ill and not feeling, you know, feeling very well, the energy, you just don't feel as perky anymore, right? You're not as energetic, you see. And so a lot of that, I believe, is attributed to the fact that when we're ill, you know, or something's going on in our body, it brings a blockage to those energy fields. Wow. See? And, and you know, when you are ill, you really, even though you think you are, and I found this out by experience myself, you cannot really be spiritually who you really are when you're going through physical maladies yeah. and sicknesses and yeah. so forth. You just, you're just not on the ball. You're not on your game, spiritually speaking. Why? Because the energy is not flowing properly. It's getting snagged up. It's getting hung up along the way. So it's very important that we understand that the seven is not only speaking of completeness and fullness, you know, in our spirit, but it's talking about the fullness that we have in our body. And we all, we're the body of Christ. We have fullness in our bodies. Now, jump on down. So let me go to verse seven again. Seven green widths that were never dried, and so they were wet, and wet here means air, that which is not the truth, and then truth. So that could refer then, as I said, to the negative aspect, you see, of that energy flowing within him. Now, did it lessen his energy? Did it probably more than he realized? But he still had enough strength to break through these things. Now, look at verses uh, 8 through 10 here. Jumping down to verses 8 through 10. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green widths, which had, now this is the first test, which had not been dried. They were wet, in other words. And she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the widths. See, because he didn't want them catching him. He brake the widths as a thread of tow is broken when it touches the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. So because what is happening here now is, as I said, she was playing a game. She ended up playing a game with him. He ended up playing a game with her. And what took place here was, that he was telling her, oh, it doesn't matter what I do. And that's true. It doesn't matter what I do. I'll not lose my strength. And it's true. He didn't because he broke through those green widths. We're going to see he broke through the ropes. Every test that she put him through, he broke through. Even though he said, my strength is going to be like another man, it never was like another man until, and we'll talk about that later, 
Now, jump on down to verse 11. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes, this is a second test now, with new ropes that were never occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Now, the rope here represents spiritual power that pulls the divine upward, or divine aspect upward. It can represent that. But you know what? It also, a rope can also be used to pull you down. I remember whenever I was a kid on the farm, I learned so much on the farm. I thank God I was raised on the farm. I hated it then. But I thank God I was raised on the farm. And we had a rope in our barn. And you know how high barns are, very, very high. And I would try to see how high I could climb on that rope. Well, once I got up there, almost to the roof, I don't think I ever made it to the roof because it was very high. Once I got up there, I had to get back down. Now, I could slide down, but I'd get a bunch of blisters on my hands, you see. So I'd have to slowly let myself down. So what is the point? The point is a rope will allow you to go up, but a rope will allow you to lower yourself. And in this particular case, the point here was, the Philistine's idea here with the ropes, to tie him in the ropes, was to bring him down, not to lift him up. But what did he say? He said the same thing. Oh, I'm going to lose my power. But he never did. He was able to break the ropes when the Philistines came. Look what it says in verse 12. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, The Philistines be upon me, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber. And he, Samson, broke them off from his arms like a thread. Like a thread. It was nothing to him. And this was a test. What was the test about? The test really was to see how far they could bind him and how far he could go without losing his strength. Now, eventually he didn't lose his strength, but look what it says in verse 13. And here's a third test. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest, he's going to get a weave now, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. Now you know what this is? Again, you have seven. So what is the seven talking about? Not just in spirit that we're complete in him, that we have fullness in us, but it's also talking about the body. His hair was what? His hair was on the body, okay? And so what this is representing here is that she is trying again, the third test, she is trying to get him to reveal the strength. Every, every test that she gives him, she's only trying to bring him to the end of himself where he will give the secret of his strength. And he's not doing it. He's playing around with her. He's saying, do this, and I'll be, you know, have the strength of, as... Any, any man, and he didn't. The second one, I'll lose my strength, and he didn't. The third one, my strength will be as any man, and he didn't lose his strength. Look at verse 14 says, And she fastened it with a pin, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he waked out of his sleep, and he went away with the pin of the beam and the web. Now, in the next verse, what we see is the number three is used. And let me just say something about three. Because most of the time, we think that three, and it is, a new day or a change. 
And it is. Jesus experienced it. Jonah experienced it. Peter experienced it. Saul of Tarsus experienced it. But you know what? There was one guy, especially one guy, that experienced it in the negative. Because Jesus looked at Peter, and he said to him, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. So three, while it can refer to a new day and a change in an upward sense, three can also represent a change in the lower, in the lower realm. Now, in verse 8, we saw the seven green widths. In verse 11, we saw the new rope. In verse 13, we saw the seven rocks. And what is about to happen now as we read on here, we're going to find out that she finally has whispered sweet nothings in his ear, and he's finally going to cave. Mm -hmm. And he's going to reveal to her the secret of his power, the secret of his strength. <coughs> See, the thoughts now from the left side are becoming more and more prevalent, more and more often. In verse 15, and she said to him, how can you say you love me, Sammy? <laughs> You don't really love me. Do you really love me? You mocked me three times, Sammy. And I want to know where your great strength lies. In other words, Sammy, are you willing to go all the way with me? Are you willing to do it all? I don't know, D.D., I want to tell you. I'm not sure I want to tell you where my strength lies. Not so sure, D.D., Look at verses 16 and 17. And it came to pass when she pressed him. Oh, she, see, it just takes a woman, right, to press a man. Right? But see, it was more than just a woman pressing a man. It was this side over here that had gone a long way. The Philistines gave her things that caused her to get more and more entrenched in the carnal thinking, in the Philistine thinking, thinking with the thoughts of rolling around in the dust, the dry, dead, rolling around in the dust thoughts. So it came to pass when she pressed him daily. Look at this, daily. How many of you know we're pressed daily by the left side? With her words, and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. In other words, previously he had said, you can do anything you want to me. All I have to do is get my Bible. All I have to do is go into meditation. You know, that's what a lot of people think. I can live as far on the edge and as much from the left side as I want to, and I know he's always going to be there. And it's true, he's always going to be there. But as I said, what happens is we get more and more entrenched. The more we have that attitude, I can do it, I'm going to do it because I can, the more entrenched we get from the left side and the further down we go until the earth swallows us up. We never lose the Father. We never lose the Spirit. But what we lose is that outflow. Yep. Yep. We've cut our hair. That's right. We've cut off that which grows from the top. 
See, you know, Esther experienced this. She was supposed to go in before the king, but she said, if I die, you know, I'll die going into the king. And when she went into the king, he stretched forth, remember the scepter, and she touched the top of the scepter. Yeah. What was she touching? She was touching the top of the right side. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we know the story, what happened. But now let me read this. It came to pass, verse 16, came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed into death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not a razor, there has not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go for me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. Now, he said that in every one of those other scenarios, those three tests, he said the same thing, and his strength never went. What is the story? What is the picture there? We can live on the edge as much as we want, and he never leaves us. But once we cut, and he still doesn't leave us, but we leave him. Yeah. Is said that way? Yeah. When we cut off that which grows from the top, which is the right side, the mind of Christ, the exercising of the single eye, when we cut our hair, when we cut that which grows from the top, he still doesn't leave us. But you know what? Our strength can become abated. Yeah. Our spiritual strength can become abated. Yeah. And we do not exude that light and that life and that glory that we once did. And we can get to the place, as Korah and her group did, or his group did, where the earth swallows them up. You turn around and you wonder why you've lost your passion and your desire for spiritual things. That's what takes place, and that is what happens whenever we cut the hair. Now, look in verse 19. It goes on. She made him sleep upon her knees. This is completely trusting in the Lord. Completely out of it. We're no longer alert to the truth. Yeah. We no longer are alert to what true life really is. We've fallen totally asleep and we become addicted to the left side. Mm -hmm. And you can become so addicted to the left side that you fall asleep. You no longer remember how it was at one time in your life when the anointing was flowing. And let me just say, I believe when that happens in a person's life, not only does it happen spiritually, but it happens even within our physical body. The energy is not flowing. The anointing is not flowing as it once did because we become totally addicted to the left side. We would rather live in the left side that which looks good, that which feels good, that which is pleasant to eat and to partake of. Look, verse 19 continues. And she called for a man, referring to the mind. See, the mind itself, see, will cut you off. The mind itself will cut the seven locks. Yep. See, the seven locks off, and you won't even know it's gone because you're fast asleep. Wow. Yeah, verse 19 goes on. His strength went from him. He was sound asleep. He was no longer conscious of the spiritual realm. Father didn't leave him. Spirit didn't leave him, but he left spirit. Yeah. Yeah. See, does that mean he's going to go to hell and burn forever and ever with his weeping and loving and that? Not at all. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever. But what it has to do with is the outflow yeah. of our lives. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Yeah. 
the salt of the earth. The light of the world, a city set on a hill, cannot be hid. You hide yourself. That's what we do. We hide ourselves when we cut our hair. When we cut that which is growing from the top, when we cut that off, we hide ourselves. We appear insignificant. The Spirit isn't put. Look at verse 20. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before. No, you won't. And shake myself. And he was not that the Lord was departed from him. Now, that doesn't mean that he left him in that sense that we think of, you know, the Lord getting out, leaving, all that. You couldn't live. You'd fall over dead if that life force in you, that spirit left you. That's what happens when people die. You know, the spirit leaves. You could not continue to live if he left you. Now, I'm not saying when people die, the spirit leaves them. I'm just simply saying that... Uh, Life will be different. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Look at verse 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. In other words, he was no longer seen spiritually. He was no longer able to see the truth for what it was and what he knew it to be. At one time, he was blind. And then I think the next verse talks about the fact that he was in prison. He found himself in prison. So no matter what we're involved in, listen, his grace is always there. His grace is always there. He will never alter that. I don't care what we do. I don't care he went through those three tests. His strength was always there. His strength was always there. It never left him whatsoever. And the same way with us, no matter where we go and what we do, don't ever let anyone tell you. Oh, the Lord will leave you for doing this or that. He won't. But you'll leave his experience, listen, let me say it properly, you will leave his or your experience of his presence. How many know he's omnipresent? He's always present. We're not trying to bring the presence of the Lord in here or stir up the presence of the Lord when we gather together. We're always in his presence. But you know what? We can get to the place to where we no longer are sensing and experiencing that presence. And we fall asleep and we no longer desire the spiritual things of God. So folks, in closing, let me just say, never cut off that which grows from the top. Don't cut your hair. And you know, I'm talking spiritual. Don't cut your hair. Don't cut this. What it's saying is, what the story's about is, don't ever cut off the right side. Don't ever cut off the right side. Always be open. I don't care how long you've been over here on the left side. Always be open and know you can get back to the right side. Amen. You can get back to the right side. Always. Don't get to the place to where this over here becomes seduced and there's a conception of the left side over on the right side. Don't ever get to that place. Because once you do, oh, you'll go to heaven when you die, right? It's not going to affect anything in that realm of things. It has nothing to do with some eternal hell. But what it does have to do with is our experience, what we experience. We can cut it off where we're concerned, not where he's concerned. And he's always there for people to come back to and experience. Okay? This is just an illustration and a story of 
how that if we cut off the right side, we're the ones that are going to suffer. We're the ones that are going to suffer. And we're the ones that are going to experience it. And those that we come in contact with won't sense that presence and that light and that life that previously flowed out of our lives. So folks, don't cut your hair. Right? Don't cut your hair. Let your hair grow. Let that which grows from the top, let it continue to grow and wake you up more and more. And that's Samson and Dee Dee. Samson and Delilah. She was a real seductive one. And she got to him. Spiritually speaking, it's just simply talking about the left side getting to the right side. And that can take place and that can happen. So Father, we thank you tonight for your presence, for your word. Thank you for your spirit that abides as each and every one of us. Our Holy Spirit will lead and guide and direct and teach and bring back to our remembrance all things that we have forgotten. We thank you that that is happening and going on within each and every one of us right now under the sound of my voice. And those that are watching via Facebook, we just speak forth that within your lives yeah. there will be that quickening that vitality, yeah. that anointing flowing, and that experience for each and yeah. every one. In the name of the Lord, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. That was heavy and thought there. Roll it.